ia te a te a taka ia te pai pai wa o uru mai te utupoto te ware kōrero e tū nei. Kia ora. welcome to Change Channel, a space to share tupuna wisdom, Māori ancestral knowledge with you and the world. Tēnā, wakarongo mai. Nō te ipureo tēnei kawenga o te pai pai wa o a Chase Channel. Inumia te kōrero. Chase Channel is brought to you by Te Ipurao. Taia te kōrero, taia te wānanga, taia te pai pai wao, kia uru mai rākau tau ki roto ki te ware kōrero e tūnei. Tēnei te pō, nau mai te ao. Tēnā koutou, tēnā katoa tātou i roto i tēnei pō. Nei rā, Chay Wilson, mai te kaupapa o Chay's channel te pai pai wao, e me i atu ana kia koutou, tēnā koutou. Kia ora tātou. Kia ora everybody. Che, uh, che Wilson here from Che's channel, Te Pai Pai Waho. And tonight, uh, as we enter into our seventh uh, Taite Talks, our manuhiri is um, Kira, and I'm going to hand over to Kira to introduce who she is. And kia koe Kira, no mai, haere mai, welcome on board. Um, great to have you on Taite Talks tonight. I'm going to pass it straight over to you to introduce yourself, Kira. Oh, tēnā koe, Che. Um, no Ireland me Ingarangi o Kutupuna, uh, ko Bob Bickton toku matua no Birmingham ia, uh, ko Evie McAuliffe toku fire no Dublin ia. I whānau mai ahau ki whakatū ki te tau ihu a Maui, i nāianei ko Whanganui a Tara taku kāinga no rera. Thank you for having me uh, on Che's channel. Che, it's... Um, and it's great to have you. I was, uh, I was with um, Kira uh, the other day at Te Papa, and um, I didn't realize that she followed the channel. And she says, Oh, yes, I follow the channel, blah, blah. And I'm, hey, do you want to be my manuhiri for, for Thursday for Taito Talks? And voila, we've got Kira here, and um, just really good to have you on. And um, I'm going to hand it straight over to you for. You just start asking some questions and see where our quarter all goes to. Kayakwe. Cool. That sounds great, Che. Yeah, you asked me really fast. I feel like I just said yes, and then all of a sudden, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it moves fast. Um, so, yeah, I was, I've been following your channel for a while, So um, and I'm always learning and, and so curious um, when your new videos pop up. And um, one thing that... Um, I'm, I'm really interested in is, um, I guess, I'm a traditional Irish musician, so I'm really curious about Tonga Boro and um, kind of uh, your thoughts on perhaps the revitalization and just understanding a little bit more of your perspective in, in, that, in that sense. 
Yeah, well, um, I suppose the first disclaimer is I can't play any instrument except for the spoons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can play along with me then, with the Irish music, no problem. <laughs> and um, yes, uh, born and raised uh, playing spoons at all of the parties, uh, all of the guitar parties. And um, But going to your question, if we think about the word puoro itself, um, oro being sound, and creation started with a sound. And uh, as that vibration uh, was sent out um, to the universe, it wasn't until it changed notes that you then got puoro. Uh, and the two, once you got two sounds, you got the the beginnings and the emergence of what then becomes uh, the the various sounds that make up music. And uh, and tapu ora waidua is a, is a phrase that um, we use. I don't hear it many places, but tapu ora waidua is um, where your Wairua returns back to, and it returns back to that original vibration, that original sound. And if we look at how Māori instruments um, have been created, a lot of them are pretty natural and don't require too much human intervention, mm. except for, um, so you'll have shells, shells and different percussions where there's not too much human intervention but then you get the wind the the wood and the wood 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 wind instruments uh the pukaya uh, the putorino etc where there is a lot more work done to them and then with the shells the mouthpiece can then be elaborate elaborately decorated but i suppose just to start things off uh You know, you've got Hineo Kataori and other personifications of Atua that are, are placed into these instruments. And those instruments have been underground for quite a while. But um, that's really because the guitar took over. Yeah. yeah. The guitar took over. The plastic poi took over from the reed poi. Um, and, um, you know, because the poi itself, some don't see it as an instrument, but it is a percussion. And um, so the plastic poi took over because it was easier to make, um, even though with the introduction of of, uh, of the poaka from Polynesia, um, then the, you could also use the pig's bladder um, to make a poi as well. Um, those usually had a good sound to them, uh, as well as um, drying the the eel skin. Again, a good sound to make um, make make those the, the poi. But yeah, um, just to kick things off, that that some of the things associated with Puro Maori, and as I said earlier, I'm not a musician of any sort. I love to sing, um, but that's it. Jeez. Um, I'm rambling. I've forgotten your no, question. No, no, it sounds like it's so. It sounds like there's sort of been a natural, 
progression or evolution in some of the ways that the instruments are used and even created and when you're referencing the poi and is um yeah i think that's that's a really interesting natural thing that's occurring is it um is there any sort of effects around that is it you know well um so for a long time, a lot of the instruments weren't played, and I'm not sure whether that was societal pressure or just that the chinka chink took over. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, you know, Māori say chinka chink for a guitar, and um, Hawaiians will sing uh, chalangalang for a, for a, a ukulele. And, and the chinka chink became so popular as well as with church and um, the taking of parts. Mm. So that that, that um, European influence of music, um, and I suppose pop music for each generation, popular music for each generation, um, just became the thing. What's interesting, though, is that because our history was recorded, through song, mm. um, we still maintain that even with a chink chink. Yeah, it so wasn't as detailed. So that consistent threads, that consistent thread stayed there. And you know, I, I look at some of our our Fano manuscripts, and there's a couple of couple of manuscripts where there's almost uh, there's over four thousand pile. And and pal are usually one or two liner, and the, they've really it's a succinct and sharp way, sharp witty way, to capture a moment. Mm. And, and then where where they've been captured really well, people sing them, but like nursery rhymes, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and so the key thing is that the the music captures the history and so I know um, when I started taking over composition for my family um, I've always made sure that because we we attend an Easter kapahaka competition I've always made made, made sure that um, when I was doing the mahi that uh, I, whatever historical event happened we would market that Easter in our compositions and if it was really important, we'd mark it no matter what and just go, well, here's our latest song or here's our latest haka or ngiri. Uh, and, and I'll do it. I'll use different forms depending on what the issue is. So when it was an eruption, yeah. I did both a ngiri and a haka because there was an eruption at home with Rua Pia. Um And even when there's a laha. I'll, I'll make sure that there's a needy to symbolise that point in history. Yeah, and and Che, is that so that um, I imagine it's communicating it to whoever's whoever's listening, but it's to keep that um, history alive. So would those would that be done again and again in the future, and sort of act as almost a reference point back to that time? Absolutely, absolutely, and. And it's about recording it in a Māori way, even though you just Google it and it'll come up. 
but it's about ensuring that we record it in a Māori way so that we don't forget that art yeah. of being oral culture. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, certainly thinking from the Irish history perspective, you see that coming through as well because especially with the songs, the emotions attached with the songs as well. So as opposed to reading lyrics on a page, you can hear hear the pain or hear the joy in the songs as they're sung. And so it helps people to connect to um, some of the, I guess, the realness of what, what, what it was like, as opposed to it just being static. Well, that's it. And, um, and, and I think that's where one of our biggest challenges with our dirges with our waiata tawhito and our apakura waiata tangi, our, our laments, is that um, we've started to sing them rather than waiata them. Because mm. waiata is waiata. We've interpreted it to be song and to sing. Right. And but what we've often what we start to do is we add parts to our traditional style of singing when there's no such thing as flat in mm. our traditional style of singing. Interesting. And so what I guess what is lost I, I, I won't even guess I don't want to get it wrong, but what is lost when when some of those key elements that were traditionally there may be lost because it goes into song form well yeah that, that, that's a that's a dang good question i'm just thinking out loud uh the vibration changes and and because we use the vibration to communicate with the unseen world it's not that you can't communicate, but it takes a different form. And sometimes it might get you there quicker. Other times it might get you there, take a longer time to get there. And, um, and you know, there have been times where I've sung both songs, both Chinka Chink Waiata and Waiata Tapito where you can still get to that divine space pretty quickly. Mm. Um, but I do do worry that we if we try too much to take parts, and don't 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 get me wrong, I love taking a part. Um, but if we try to take parts in our traditional styles of Waiata, I just think we we run the risk of losing those forms yeah um that's huge that's a huge difference yeah yeah and um and and especially if people in your family have been trained professionally trained to sing they naturally go that way even when it's waiata tawhito mm. when it's a traditional form of waiata they they go the way that they have been trained right and so, yeah. so in your your experience where was that knowledge passed down was it from um or? 
Well, it was mainly in, the, in my kitchen because mum and dad's kitchen because every, as soon as we started school after the summer holidays, my, my auntie Joan would come come by mum and auntie Joan, you know, did the words and she'd work with mum with the tunes and auntie Joan couldn't sing at all. She couldn't sing, she couldn't sing Western Western songs, but she could sing Māori songs amazingly. Awesome. And um, and so that that's where my first interest came because you know you'd be going in for a kai or you'd just be sitting there listening or or you'd be watching my auntie smoking in our smoke-free house and upsetting my mother and <laughs> um, and, and and it was actually that which got me interested in waiata and I realized pretty quickly as I started to learn some of our traditional waiata that wow this is where all the knowledge is kept mm. and so waiata is my thing um, waiata is my passion and um, I've always been interested in learning waiata because of the history that they records. I got this question asked to me today by a cousin. She said, what's the purpose of our maramataka? So that answers all in, the answer for that's in the, in the songs. That's why we need to learn the songs. Because when you learn the songs, you then understand the why. Yeah. And, yeah, and I, what about you guys? Well, what happens in Irish culture? Well, um, not not dissimilar to the kitchen. Um, Irish music, traditional Irish music, it's not um, like classical music where you have the notes written down. That wouldn't really be the done thing traditionally, although some people might might go to that now. Um, more you're learning through osmosis, so you, you may hear a tune um, multiple times played by, you know, your family or at different, we call them sessions, where you're usually in the pub, it's... Um, a real social thing it's it's really like an extended family and so you'd be growing up I think I went to my first folk festival when I was about six months old so you kind of grow up around the music and then at a certain point the tune will just click um and I was actually thinking about um Dan's Cordero that we heard the other day and how you you almost need to be able to hum a tune through or hear it in your head before you even go to pick up the instrument or else the notes won't come and so you'll see it's, it's fascinating being in Ireland um we were uh visiting my uncle who's in Dune Queen which is um on on the west coast and you had kids who are about 10 years old and they'd be in the session and you in an Irish session you play a tune three times through and then you move on to the next tune uh and they were they'd listen for the first time and see them at the fiddle listen the first time through, the second time through they might sort of, you know, move their fingers a little bit and the third time through they'd play it through perfectly and those were kids who were just like entrenched in the culture. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think that's... that's clean by ear, right? Yeah, yeah, all by ear. And um, I think that the one of the things that is really interesting is um, not dissimilar in some cases to here, I believe, um, the English confiscated all the instruments so that, you know, as one of the tools to kill the culture, taking the instruments away would help dampen that really quick.
quickly. Um, so people started to uh, a specific kind of singing where you would sing the tune as opposed to playing it on an instrument so that you could keep the tradition alive and pass the tunes on through generations. And, and then when we got the instruments back, the tunes were still there. So that's just yeah. a little bit, I guess. Well, and, and like that point, the difference for us is because we were a curiosity um, and they wanted us to uh, entertain, that's where, we, that's where we were probably fortunate because entertainment became a form of maintaining culture. And, and the pew-pew, which is the most common traditional form of dress, isn't traditional. The pew-pew was, was created as a form of grass skirt for where, where our, our tupuna created a form of grass skirt because that's what the visitors were wanting. How interesting. Because you look at the pupu, it's not practical at all. Mm. You know, yeah. it's hard to sit on. It makes a shitload of noise if you're going to attack someone. But it's perfect for entertainment. Yeah, that is, that is a real difference, isn't it? Because it does... Yeah. Yeah, it it both keeps keeps the culture but adapt adapts it from its original form, which is yeah. an I guess. Yeah. And the first types of pupu had a backing on them, which was the traditional form of rapaki. And they had the backing and then it just had these tags on it. And then as they adapted it and adapted it, oh no, we'll just make it and it swings better and makes a noise as well, which which helps complement the song mm. yeah, and so so those were some of the effects that happened with our our waiata um, but one thing that's really interesting and you know and I know it's similar in Irish Irish culture and and, and Welsh mm. is somebody can start a song and then the house explodes yeah. into yeah. a whole range of parts so yeah. you know it's a pretty special thing, eh? And um, yeah, and and because you take it for granted, it's just what it is, eh? Yeah, and I like I love the um the connection that it brings as well. I'm sure you find the same, where you can immediately find your people very quickly by the yeah. tune that you play. So, you know, when I was overseas for a little bit, I went down to a pub and I didn't know anyone, and I was sort of like, oh. And I had the flute case, you know, and then at a certain point, you know, they'll suss you out for a while and then at a certain point they'll invite you in. And when you play a tune and everyone erupts, you know that you're like, oh, all right, I'm in. It's okay. And then you sort of form the connections from there. But it's a real sort of entry point into into that connection is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, and um, I think... Uh, if I look at the tunes of our traditional songs, they were always based on the, the sounds of the environment. Mm. And um, you'll hear, if you hear our traditional songs in Wanganui, they will often be a high pitch and um, will often be fast. And that's because of the speed of our rapids mm. yeah. and 
our our prevailing wind has a high pitch whistle. Interesting. So so would you sort of know if you heard perhaps a player um, outside of your region and you heard that sort of specific tones and that sort of high-pitched, would you be able to, you know, uh, if you had the knowledge, would you sort of know the sort of landscape that that person may, may have yeah. learned around? Or, yeah. so, so people from the Bay of Plenty, the coastal, coastal space of the Bay of Plenty, I love their tunes. I love their tunes because I can hear and I can see the gentle waves lapping on the on the beach as they sing. And it's just beautiful. And there's a couple of wire that that are sung from that part of the country. And I hear them and I go, oh. Because you know, where I come from, it's pretty it's rough. <laughs> the, the, the sea's rough. <laughs> and you see it in our traditional tarniko patterns on our on our cloaks yeah where they're really um tall and narrow triangles because it's representing the waves and how big they are and you you can yeah. tell wanganui, i want a wanganui tarniko border usually because they're really tall um and narrow because it's all about the rough west coast um seas but again going back to the bay of plenty you just hear the lapping of the sea as they sing and it's just lovely isn't that yeah isn't that interesting how much landscape um can affect everything you know from music to art i you know i'm trying to think if we have similar in our tradition and um i think the landscape of the west coast of Ireland um, is huge in the language still being spoken and the music still being played because what you get is a really rough landscape with really tall cliffs that shoot down to the sea. So actually that was kind of the one part of Ireland that the English said, oh, we can't be bothered with that. It's too, it's too hard and rough to get there. So actually that's where pockets survived and that's yeah. where the sort of revitalization has come from. So um, I'm not sure if it's it's not in the in the same vein, perhaps, although the musical styles change from region to region, but um certainly has a huge impact on on what happens today. Yeah. And and I've also noticed through through Tematatini, which is our big Kapahaka um, competition. I've noticed that um, too many of the tribal variations are being lost because you win if you have a certain sound or style, which is which is incorrect because some some groups have maintained their style and they've got they've got into the finals. But there's been a thought with some groups. Oh no, we've got to change. Because our style's boring and we're not gonna win. When actually when you're strong in yours, just be that and and if you if you're disciplined and you are good, it'll it'll reap its benefits. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a massive influence there. Um but also, you know, um uh the uh influence of other cultures, not just the chink-a-chink, -chink, but um, 
you're having a lot of um, Polynesian tunes now, you know, yeah. from the Pacific influencing some of our waiata. And, you know, in, in our family, because we, we've had a lot of Chalangalang influence in our, our action songs since at least the early 80s, um, that's all all impacted on on things. So, yeah. It's quite interesting. It's a real, would be a real shame to lose those regional difference, differences, I guess. Um, yeah. Very much so. And um, which is why when I pile, mm. um, I make sure to just stick to our traditional form of pile from our area. Unless I'm in another area and wanting to make a point, I'll use one of their styles. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so I'll change if if I want to make a point and I'll I'll take one of their tunes as a form of compliment. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, that's that's quite interesting. And is that sort of is that generally is that is that done outside of sort of your own practices? Would that be kind of a, a, a common thing to do to sort of show that respect? Um I'd know I just did it well well one our style of fai kore or speech making mm. um, pao traditionally is a key component of that you know making up a, a song on the spot is, is a, a, a key component of our traditional form of of speech making so so What's yeah I don't, yeah I don't pile much I don't pile as much as I should um, but yeah, yeah, that's that's incredible. I don't think uh, I don't think we could do that quite on the spot <laughs> at all. Uh, oh, when when it when it's well practiced, it's just what it is, you know. You you get yeah. used to it. And karanga, you know, when the women do their call, that's actually doing it on the spot. Yes, there's set words that you might say, but especially at a funeral. When you're expressing when you're expressing emotion, and you you end up creating your own song sometimes as well. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know some of our kuya when they do their wakatangitangi, generally known as an apakura, when they do that wakatangitangi, they um, it's just amazing, and and it's succinct, it's succinct phrases. And they just capture that person well. And then at the end of all of the speeches, when we go over to shake hands, because our women then finish off and they do another call, Mm. when the men have missed something really important, the woman will say it at the end. And those ones who know how to do that, when they do it, it's just, wow. That's incredible. Yeah. What? and it sits us on our butts as well because we forgot something. <laughs> right. Um, with that, sometimes we talk about how the music comes to you as opposed to you, like if 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 someone composes a song or composes a tune, it wouldn't um, you wouldn't say, "Oh, I created, I created this." You'd more talk about um, you're you're a vessel and the music came to you from somewhere else. Is that? Similar, Absolutely. yeah. Like, okay. 
like we've followed the Western form of who is the composer, but I come from a teaching where the composer is important because they are only a vessel. They are the manifestation of divine words. Mm. That's yeah. yeah, yeah, that's 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 it. Yeah, the manifestation of the divine divine inspiration, I suppose, and divine words. So so and like all of our wire to who wrote it wasn't important. It's the mm. message that's important. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, isn't that interesting? It's, yeah, uh, lovely. Oh, that's the same as us. <laughs> it's probably, yeah, something that's potentially lost <laughs> um, in some other areas. But um, yeah, I, I've always liked that framing. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, it's the vessel. Mm. <laughs> nice. Oh well, Kira, um, tenahwe. Thank you, thank you for agreeing uh, just randomly at the pop of the other day. Hey. You want to be my mummy? Uh, yeah, appreciate it. And and was to be honest, I was a little bit nervous because music isn't my thing. Wyatt you is my nervous. thing. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm not nearly as nervous as me, Jay. I tell you what. Um, no, thank you so much. I kind of I said yes at Te Papa before I um thought the full thought through. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm so happy that I got to spend this time with you, and I've really enjoyed um sharing and hearing more um, about some of the synergies and, and, and yeah. Yeah, just hearing more from you. So it's been really, really awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Tēnā koe. Nō te iwi. Um, I'll be back next Tuesday uh, for co-host sessions and then Thursday again for Taite Talks where I'll have a new manuhiri who I might meet on the road or I might just meet online. Nō reira. Uh, e mihana kia koe uh, Kira, mihiana, mihi koa tuana kia koe, mou i wakaro nui mai, kia eke kirunga ki tēnei kaupapa, ki te pai pai waho. Thank you very much for coming tonight. E te iwi, stay safe, stay warm, because it is a bit chilly. I can feel the snow back home. Um, stay safe, stay warm, and please make sure to go and vote. Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tūruturu awiti waka maua kia tīnā, tīnā, huie, taikie. Pō marire. Na Puro Jerome, na Real Puro. Soundtracks from Puro Jerome.